Welcome back to the Bottom of the Pit Podcast, where we look to the moon and swap our palettes. I am, as per usual, Mick Whoopi Goldberg. 2021 has wrapped up in a nice, cute little bow. And it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride in more ways than one. Most of it very much not fun. But we're not here to talk about those today. We have so much to look forward to this year coming. Within the next month or so, we're getting a new drop. 2022 is starting so strong, and we are here to talk about so much today. So I don't want to dilly-dally too long because I actually want to also give kind of a year-end review of the past, and then go into the future as far as is feasible. So we might be here for a while, so settle down and grab a drink. I know I got one. Delicious. And so, let's talk about probably one of the biggest, I won't call it roller coaster, the biggest brief hurricane for a weekend that was what I've been calling the weekend of the betas. Because we, let's roll that back. DNF Duel is a fighting game based on the, I guess it's Dungeon Fighters. Uh, I think it's a Korean game that's like a beat-em-up. It looks cool. It looks cool. Um, but they're making a fighting game. They announced it like a billion years ago. And we've been excited. And then it fell off the face of the earth. And then they came back with a vengeance. We were getting trailer after trailer after trailer, week after week after week. And then they announced a beta, which is the craziest thing any company could do. No information, really, of how the game plays. We don't know what the UI looks like. We don't know what the mechanics are. We don't even understand, really, what the characters can do. We saw their gameplay trailers. But you know how these gameplay trailers are. They, like show combos that aren't real show moves that might not work because they have um like a bunch of hidden jump cuts that make it look like it might pop in the air when it really just kind of splats them just as an example and then they announced a beta and we're and we're all like okay beta sounds fun you know this is probably the coldest anyone's ever gone into a beta because usually you see all these like events that show off the characters a lot of companies these days when the character is announced they'll have an entire section dedicated to breaking down what said character can do and so i um was very interested when they said we're dropping a beta and it's real soon and we had no idea what the game even looked like in motion for real aside from the um like the character reveals but they're so doctored and cinematic that it's hard to know how the game will actually feel when you're playing it with your hands and the controller on your tv so that was actually both intimidating and interesting and leading up to this beta like each day we would get a small trailer um explaining what the mechanics are um, there's like a conversion mechanic where you can turn health into meter and like 
your meter refills like MP like the beat-em-up game and it's so cool the game looks great the colors it really pops it's a really poppy type of game and the characters take up a lot of space on the screen which is cool but uh that beta might have done more harm than good i'd say uh just to be completely honest i didn't walk away super excited to play dnf duel and i think it came down to the way the beta kind of operated and by operated i mean non-operated um it's no secret the first day of the beta was a dumpster fire it was hot trash juice it did not work the online crashed nearly instantaneously and to make up for this which and this is the craziest thing i've ever experienced it was super frustrating in the time but i actually like find it so funny now is that to make up for this lack of online there was no uh single player content zero zilch nothing it was completely devoid of single player content no training room um no i don't even think there was like an options menu but i don't quite remember but there was, it was like online and then nothing and barren desert wasteland maybe there was online and then options but then when their online crashed immediately it was this cpu battle yeah the cpu battle and that's fine you know that could work that could definitely work you know okay i'm sorry guys our online crash i'm so sorry our online crash no service but this is what betas are for right yeah yeah you know they because they crash but here's like this fight the computer and fighting the computer is perfectly fine by me <laughs> however the most buck wild shit they pulled with this fight the computer was they chose the character for you you had no say on what character you chose or what character you fought that's the craziest that's the craziest shit i've ever experienced and you can understand where the dichotomy comes from where it was frustrating at the time but funny now because you like really excited to get in dnf into dnf duel you know i was streaming and everything so this was captured live where you boot up the game maybe expecting to go into training mode i was expecting to hit training mode first because i always go into training mode first because i'm a little a little small brain sometimes and i need to know what things can do but i feel like that's normal right that's a normal expectation for a fighting game am i right um but there wasn't a training mode so i was like that's okay you know it's just a beta it's just a beta even though other betas have had training modes i can forgive it let's just hit rank match let's get our asses beat and then that was down and i was like okay and then they you know the whole computer thing and then the, and the frustrating part is i wanted to use crusader you know he's this big um holy man with a big giant golden hammer as a weapon it's pretty sick and he you know uses like like bright crosses and stuff he's it's pretty cool he's pretty cool but that first day i think i might have gotten to use him one time out of 20 or so games because you couldn't choose it choose your character and i was really disappointing i was interested in him and grappler and grappler never was they never rolled the dice and gave me grappler one time during that which was disappointing but who they really wanted me to play as because i got this over 
half the amount of times was Dragon Knight. They really wanted me to play Dragon Knight for some reason. I couldn't even explain to you why. But then I managed to get some time with it the second day. The online was working, quote unquote working. It was still doing a lot of crashing. Me and the Jamaican Shake could not make a room. Um, we could not find each other. Uh, there had to have been thousands upon thousands of people playing, but it would only show like four rooms open at a time. And it was so annoying and so frustrating. We just wanted to run some sets together in a more, I don't say controlled environment, but a more, um, a less competitive environment so we could really get the handle on what we can do but that wasn't possible we couldn't for the life of us find each other it was like a search room function there was no um uh type in a name to get it there's no like room codes like guilty gear has none of that kind of stuff it just was good luck but it's the um the deck was stacked against you because you would never find it we never found each other but later on in the day i did manage to get into a room full of people and run some sets. I ran about 40 to 50 straight games of Crusader and Grappler, and I was having a really, really, really good time. It was fun. Um, I had a gra uh, Grappler. Well, Grappler, yeah. Grappler is really cool because I love Grapplers, and he's, I don't say a like as pure as it can get, but he's like definitely like a Judo-type Grappler. He's not like the big Potemkin, Tager, Zangief type of Grappler. He's definitely more of a grappler martial artist not just big man grapple uh which was interesting you know they don't have that surprisingly they don't have that many uh like martial arts grappler types which was a uh, cool to experience um and crusader was really cool you figure out he doesn't he can't really link moves into each other uh which was interesting to figure out how to make him work uh so that was fun that was very fun and i um was here wondering if this game was even ready to release in 2022 when i was playing like i literally had that thought i was like are we even going to see this in 2022 they said it's going to come out this summer but i still think it needs a little bit more work um you have big things that happen on the screen but it doesn't really amount to much there's just like no real reward for doing big things like pressure say the inquisitor she's like another crusader type which has a big axe she can make this giant fire wheel this huge fire wheel and it takes up so much space and it locks you down for so long but it doesn't do any chip damage it doesn't combo and if you just kind of i don't think she has any overheads i don't think you can grab out of it because it doesn't have like the blaze blue system where you can grab uh, in the middle of block string, uh, I'm sorry, in the middle of attack strings, but it's easy to break, just none of that. So, once that pressure's over, once you blow all your meter to do maybe double wheel, it's um, for nothing. Your opponent just stands, stands there, no chip damage, and it's just ready to brawl. You didn't do any damage. I need, I think they need to fix stuff like that. Uh, but it has a lot of potential. It's not very deep. I'm sorry, guys, but. DNF is not a very deep game, and when I think about it more, when I think about games like DNF Duel or or Grand Blue or Dragon Ball Fighters, um, I'm starting to think that that's it's starting to be intentional, right? Like it's an intentional thing. Like every like fighting game fan wants their fighting game to have like a level of depth to them that they could really sink their teeth into and feel 
excuse me, feel accomplished uh, playing and getting better at. But these games aren't just for us. Like we have those games that are for us. Uh, we have you know Blaze Blue, Guilty Gear, and Street Fighter, and Tekken, and Mortal Kombat, and things like that. But these games aren't just for us. Like we have to share that space with fans of Dungeon Fighters, with fans of Dragon Ball, with fans of the Grand Blue series. So they can't just make it for us and expect them to like it too. So I think we have to accept that these licensed games are um, are going to be a little bit easier. I think we just have to like happily accept that because there's going to be bringing a lot of new people, a lot of people who probably don't even really like fighting games like that, but they love that franchise. They just love Dungeon Fighter. They've been playing Dungeon Fighter since they dropped it in whenever it was, 2010 or something? I don't remember. Um, and same with and same with Dragon Ball. You know, Dragon Ball's been around for a billion years, and um, I don't I didn't even know Grand Blue was a series um, until someone told me. But they're not really for us. I mean, they're for us to play and enjoy, but they're not for us to really how am I trying to say? Really like dissect down to the to the frame and break people's wills with our amazing skills that no one else in the world could possibly achieve. It's supposed to be more fun than competitive, these these licensed games. And I think the faster we realize that, the more we'll be able to accept that these games in particular, this like brand of game, this licensed fighting game, is probably, for the most part, going to be easier to uh, play than your standard fighting game. Um, but that's really all I have to say about DNF, because it's not out yet. We still got several, several months before it comes out, before it drops on us. And there wasn't much to really see anyway. It's like going to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, you know, you've been, the Grand Canyon's been hyped up and you, you went to the Grand Canyon and it's just a big hole in the ground. But, on that very same weekend, this, this weekend of betas, we also got the second King of Fighters beta now earlier in the year we got a beta for king of fighters uh king of fighters 15 and it was such a breath of fresh air now me i've said it on the podcast so so many times i am barely a light casual enjoyer of the king of fighter series that game is so hard but it's not so much the difficulty that keeps me away from it i just was never really exposed to it growing up. I had like some art of fighting games. I had, I played a Samurai Showdown game. I never owned a Samurai Showdown game. Um, I had a Fatal Fury game, but I actually never owned a King of Fighters game. And the first one I, I don't wanna say I fully played, but the first one I actually like kind of had a glimmer in my eye about was King of Fighters 13. Because they had those rotoscoped animations and it was so beautiful and it still is some of the best animations I've seen. That and Skullgirls are probably two of the most, uh, most best, oh my god, two of the greatest, um, what am I even trying to say? Two of the best animated fighting games I've ever seen in my life. They're so unique and so visually stunning that I'm so impressed by it. Uh, but King of Fighters 15. I'm going to give this a real shot. I'm really going to sit down and try to be good at it. I played King of Fighters 14, but 14, while the gameplay 
from what I understand, is phenomenal, and King of Fighters fans really, really enjoy the way it plays. Being a light casual enjoyer of King of Fighters, it did not look good enough for me to want to invest any time in. It was muddy, uh, the graphics weren't good, the effects weren't that good, the combos were not intuitive. And even if it was like technically easier than other KOFs, KOF has always been hard and they've always had the most janky commands for their moves. Even with that being uh, eased down, it's still a really hard game to play. And there are other games coming out around it, so the fact that it came out and kind of stumbled on release with the bad graphics and kind of slow gameplay was not well received at first. So I kind of, I played it for a little bit and then I kind of just like shelved it. But this one I'm really going to put some time into because when I said it was a breath of fresh air, like I, I dead ass mean that it was, I've been playing Guilty Gear Strive since it dropped, right? It's like the newest fighting game and I've been playing it. And so when I played the beta for King of Fighters, uh, me and the Jamaican Shake and Banzai Wolfberger, we ran a whole bunch of sets and the first thing I noticed was, damn, it feels good not to lose the entire game off of one mistake. It feels so good not having 80% of my health lopped off in six hits because I whipped the throw. And it just felt so good. Like I feel like I had more opportunities to play. It feels way more interactive than Guilty Gear Strive does. And I like Guilty Gear Strive, do not get me wrong. I really, really enjoy Guilty Gear Strive and I still am. But there are many, 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 many scenarios in Strive where there's no interaction, really. Uh, at least at my level of play, um, an intermediate player at best. Where you make a mistake and then the game's over, right? No, not, oh, I make a mistake, I try to fix the mistake and we're fighting back and forth. There's no like push-pull in Strive, it's like, like you're playing with guns, right? It's like, oh, you shoot, you dead, instantly. But with King of Fighters, like you have the room, you have the space to try new uh, avenues, try new like uh, strategies. If one doesn't work, it's not like you get to try the strategy once, if it doesn't work, the fight's over. No, you get to adapt, you have time to adapt for real. And it's very, it's technical. It was more technical than I actually gave it credit for. Um, I did not, at first, I did not understand how to string things together. I was, I wasn't sure, is it punch kick? Is it punch, is it high punch, is it low punch? I'm sorry, is it a light punch, heavy punch? Is it light kick, heavy kick? Does light punch go into, what, what are these, how do these moves connect? I had no idea. So it was just, a, for a long time, for several rounds, it was just a bunch of single hits, a bunch of jump ins and uh, things like that, but it was fun to discover it, and this is the difference between this beta and the DNF Duel beta, where this one had a training mode, so you could test some things out, test out characters and special moves, but more importantly, you could make rooms and fight your friends, which I was able to do, and that way you have a lot more fun, you're a boat, you're all, all of you guys are new, you're both just testing things out, and it's a really good time, and oh, sorry. you're able to really find your groove and figure out, is this the game for you? 
and I think it is. I really like King of Fighters. I think everyone should give this King of Fighters a shot, especially if you've never played a King of Fighters before, because this one really like pops. It's very colorful. There's so many effects. This is the first uh, like tournament-based fighting game, and by tournament-based, I mean in story where it's a tournament, where it just feels like you're actually in a competition. Everything seems so colorful and so many light shows like you're like this is a grand stage and it feels pretty cool um the one thing that i really really enjoy about king of fighters and i've been saying this um since they've been dropping character after character i love the large starting roster i am completely burnt out from tiny starting rosters from 15 character starting rosters because the generation before this one, we had large rosters. We, we were dropping with 30 characters. We were dropping with 35 characters. That was normal. That was expected. So having 15 characters being the norm is really, is really weird to me. And I really don't want to see that ever again. I'm sure we will. I'm, I'm sure DNF is going to drop with like 11 characters or something crazy like that. But I'm really sick of small rosters. And King of Fighters has a large roster large starting rosters so maybe I can actually find characters I want to get get good with and because how technical it is I still have so much to learn now um, as far as things I don't like about King of Fighters I couldn't like bite into it as deep as I wanted to only because I don't have an understanding of the series yet enough to make proper critiques of it but what I don't like on a base surface level is you can, it, has, it has an auto combo system, an auto combo system. Uh, you match square, which it can be fine. But the way it's implemented, and I don't know why games are doing this. You can mash auto com combo into your biggest, strongest supers. Your level, what is it, level three climax or whatever. Your biggest super, whatever, super ultra climax, I don't know what it's called. I forget what it's called. But it mashes all the way into that for about, what, 60% of your life or something? It's an easy way to close out games, just mash. And it starts with a jab, so it starts with your fastest button. Your fastest button into this. Um, I don't think that they should, they should do something about that. I don't think that should be allowed. I think that's too easy for how much damage you get. So I think they should instead of have it go into any super i think it should just be a small combo boom 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 five hit combo into maybe a knockdown you know get your oki started give you i know that's like like newer level players beginner players maybe won't even understand oki like that but it'll help them learn and i think that's through all fighting games a very important pillar to understand a very important found, uh, foundation a fundamental you should know is your character's Okazemi options and I think if you have your auto combo lead into that just one hit two hit three hit four hit five hit into a hard knockdown so you could start that sure I think that's a good starting place for a beginner and it's also a great place for um, higher level people who have that option to go into all of their Oki scenarios that's not just like a heavy sweep you know so we can still make it good without making it feel degenerate by mashing into 60% of your opponent's life for no risk or reward or not not reward no risk uh, but that's all the um, critiques I have not because I think it's perfect because I think it does have like some issues but I don't quite 
understand how to verbalize it because I don't understand the deeper uh, mechanics and roots of King of Fighters. I don't know if the things I don't like have always been in King of Fighters, if that's like a staple of how King of Fighters has been. Um, I don't know that. Uh, so I don't want to be here like shitting all over a thing about King of Fighters I don't like just to have actual King of Fighters fans be like, no, nah, that's how it's always been. Your opinion is wrong. Um, this is like a whole, this is like the heart of King of Fighters. Uh, if I don't understand it, I, I don't really have a place to, uh, have like a big giant critique about it. But anyway, uh, we were talking about Dungeon Fighters, DNF Duel, and how it's a licensed game. Well, that was not the only licensed game that they finally gave us information about after a million years of silence. They also dropped a huge deep dive out of nowhere for Project L, the Riot, uh, the, what, is that the name of the company, I think, Riot? Their League of Legends franchise has broken out into fighting games. And they told us about Project L, like they're working on this fighting game. They showed us some screenshots. I think clean maybe three or four years ago and it was just screenshots and we hadn't heard nothing I assumed it was canceled straight up I assumed project L was canceled <laughs> that's how long it went without any word but they finally dropped it they didn't give us much they had uh, and I can't even I couldn't even name the characters really on this podcast I don't know their names and I can't really explain their power because I don't quite understand it one does time he can control time, it's pretty cool. He attacks and he leaves like a little after image of himself he can go back to. Uh, and there's Jinx, obviously. She's like the most popular lead character. And it's a 2v2 game. You know, it's a 2v2. Um, simple inputs? This is how, like, it was pretty scarce, the information. It, looked like it, had, it looks like it has simple inputs. Now, what do I think of simple inputs? Oh, speaking of simple inputs, DNF Duel also had simple inputs. I should have said that before. Anyway, what I think about simple inputs, um, like I said earlier in the podcast, these games aren't only for fighting game fans. And they're ma- they are probably not as interested in keeping their league fans invested in Project L. They want to get their money. They want want them to buy Project L and stick with it, buy some DLC. But... As far as they don't care if their league fans become members of the FGC. They're not worried about that. Only us FGC people are worried about that. So having simple inputs, it makes sense to me. I'm not a fan of simple inputs. I'm really not. I don't like one button DPs. I don't think anyone in the FGC does. Because that, that like eliminates so much mental stack that has always been there from the jump and I just feel like that's not a mechanic that should become mainstream and I don't really think it will be amongst normal fighting games but these licensed fighting games I feel like going going into the future will have simple inputs like this um but it's hard for me to say much more because they didn't really give us much more it was just that and that was several months ago and we haven't heard anything since so, Project L, it's looking okay. The graphics are looking okay. The game is looking a-okay. Now, the main game that's been kind of shouldering the FGC 
the mainstream FGC in the past, uh, for the past several months, I guess. I guess it's been seven or eight months now, alongside Street Fighter, is uh, Guilty Gear. As far as in the mainstream, you know, still doing new things, I should say, aside from Street Fighter, is Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear Strive. The, at once, one time, divisive entry into the Guilty Gear series is starting to come into its own a little bit. They've dropped quite a few patches and updates that made the gameplay a little bit more dynamic. It brought the, the tier spread in much closer to the center. We had some disgusting outliers in Soul Bad Guy and at the bottom tier of Faust and Anji. They've all been brought into the center a little bit more and every character more or less, I can't stress that part enough, more or less feels viable if you wanted to bring them to a tournament. More or less. Obviously there will always be a best, there will always be a worst. It's more of a, a matter of how much better are the best from the worst. And well, it's hard to say for sure if they're perfect yet. The balance is there. It's definitely way more balanced than it uh than it ever was, especially on release. But how how many games have released with good balance? None, none. There's always been one or two characters that stood out from the rest, from being bad or really good. So it's it's honestly not very fair to expect Guilty Gear to have dropped with perfect balance, but the balance of it right now is in a good good spot. It's not perfect, but it's not the worst. It's in a good spot. But most importantly, it's still a lot of fun. It's still a lot of fun. There's still a lot to learn. It's one of those games that were deeper than you thought it was. Not you personally, but than that people thought it was because you see the high damage. You see how little, uh, how small the combos are for the damage that you get compared to old Guilty Gears, and you you get the feeling that yeah maybe maybe it is a little shallow, shall I say? Maybe it is a little shallow. You get that feeling, and then you start to actually dig into the game, and you realize there's much more going on than big combo for big damage. You know, working on your defense, and this game is very pressure. I guess most fighting games are, but this one really feels like uh, the momentum shift is so important. Even going through rounds, and the round start, the round start of these games um, in Guilty Gear Strive. In all honesty, is the most stressful round start I've ever experienced in fighting games. Aside from, say, uh, like Marvel games where you can move and jump around and stuff. But this, the round start in Strive is so stressful because if you make the wrong initial read from round start into your opponent hitting you with the counter hit, that could very well end the whole game. They could hit you, especially if you're fighting someone like Soul or Ramlethal. They could hit you with a counter hit from round start and delete about 80% of your health into a wall splat, into a wall break. And they'll have a bar and a half a meter to do whatever they want. And that could end the game so fast. And I, as well as every other Strive player knows, that happens more often than it's honestly okay. Um, 
I didn't realize I just made a, a, a PSA for better round start and strive. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the round start situation, but maybe that's just a Guilty Gear thing. I also don't have as extensive a history of Guilty Gear as I do with the other franchises in the FGC. Um, but I don't quite remember uh, being this stressed from round start in other fighting games. Uh, if I had to say a, a blanket criticism of the game, it's a little stale. It's still fun. But it's a little, it's a little stale. And maybe it's from being uh, conditioned throughout the years for content. That could be. Um, you know, you sit and you expect constant updates and communication. And we get communication. Don't get me wrong. We have all kinds of tournaments and they're always promising things. And we got communication. But there's been, since we got Happy Chaos about a month ago. Happy Chaos is really hard to use, incredibly hard to use, but he's really effective once you learn to use him. But because he's really hard to use, you don't see him that often. Same with Gold Lewis and Jacko, which is, they're all DLC characters. That could be a problem going in the future if they keep making their DLC characters so hard to use that people don't want to buy them, which is kind of a bonehead thing to do. You gotta have one easy mode DLC character, right? You, you need to have the Vegito of DLC characters drop, right? I think so. Maybe that's where Biken will come in. Biken is coming out within the next couple weeks. She'll be out within the next couple weeks. And maybe they'll change her up in a way that makes her the Vegito. And by Vegito, I mean the easy mode character that can carry you. Um, maybe she'll be the Vegito of this DLC pack. Who knows? She's very counter-based. She's very defensive, super, super defensive. Strive isn't a defensive game, though. So we'll see how they adapt her, if they adapt her at all. Uh, but I can't say much about Biken because we have no... We just had the one trailer of her that made everyone cry, which is the craziest thing. Biken mains are real. They're real, man. They're real passionate. And I actually kind of envy that. And we are going to learn what the last character of the season is, hopefully soon. No guarantees there. Um, as a leaky spoilers go, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's most likely going to be Slayer. I hope I'm wrong. I think Slayer is cool, but I think he's also predictable. I want this last character to be someone uh, that I didn't see coming. But I guess it'll be hard to have someone that's hype, but also unpredictable without like resurrecting an old like dead character that would get people like surprised like Cliff or um, Testament or someone. They're both dead in the story so it wouldn't make sense to bring them back but they would catch people by surprise. So th their hands are kind of tied. For, pe for some people it's a lose-lose. You don't really care about Slayer. You see him coming but you know he's hype so he's coming. If there's one thing about Guilty Gear that I think is actually hurting the overall experience is that absurdly high damage. I don't like it. I really don't. I don't like universal high damage throughout because there's characters who you can build around being high damage and you can balance them around being high damage. Um, but in Strive, you can't really. 
because you have characters who aren't balanced around high damage doing 80% combos for free. You have characters like Mei, like Soul, like Ramlethal doing that aren't balanced around that kind of stuff doing that kind of stuff. While you have characters like Potemkin, who is great in this game, is the best Potemkin has ever been, but he's doing damage. His damage makes sense for Potemkin. He's the big brawler grappler guy. Same with Gold Lewis. Gold Lewis is is power is a power brawler incarnate. So it makes sense for those two to be doing damage like that, but not so much for these other characters. Once again, I am not a guilty gearhead. Maybe this makes sense. Uh, to me, it feels um, a little watered down having everyone do that much damage because you always have in the back of your head, like, I like playing this character, but is it viable? Do they do enough damage? Because if you're low damage like um, Faust or Anji, you really kind of struggle. At least Anji, you have to open people up and then you can do high damage, but there's characters like Soul, like Ramlethal, like Mei, like Giovanna, who do big ass damage and are also mixed machines at the same time, which, oh, I'm getting frustrated just thinking about it. So the high damage I think is hurting the overall experience. They need to get it out of there. They need to adjust that accordingly. You need your fast, speedy characters doing, like Milia. Milia does not do big damage. But she'll mix your shoes off for sure. Which I think is, she, she's more of, she feels more personalized in that way. Like she has to get like 80 mixes on you uh, to beat you. But she's really, really good at getting those mixes on you. Same with Eno. She's got to get not as many mixes on you. She does pretty good damage too. Uh, but there's characters that can also super mix you without... Worrying about their health being low, without worrying about being slow, they can just do the damage. And I don't like that personally, but some people do, they're doing it to bring in new players, which I guess, I guess, I'm no like marketer, maybe it works, and I guess it is working, this is the most popular Guilty Gear they've ever had, so who am I? I'm just a scrub on a podcast. Now, I brought up Gold Lewis before. And I've gone on record saying that I am not a fan of his half circles. I think they missed an opportunity uh, with him. Not enough alien. Blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. Now that I've had way more time with Gold Lewis. That was maybe a week or two into Gold Lewis. Or maybe less. Maybe like a month into Gold Lewis. Now that I've actually sat and I've labbed him and i played hundreds and hundreds of games with him. I understand Gold Lewis now. And I would like to give a formal apology to Arxes. They know way more about their characters than I do. They know what they're doing. Gold Lewis is a pressure monster. Probably one of the best pressure monsters. He's one of those pressure-based characters where as soon as they start their pressure, uh, you might as well just burst because you will get chipped out in a second. He will keep coming back to back to back to back and you will not get him off you until you are dead and if he opens you up one time you are dead you are dead he's big and he's slow but once you block one behemoth typhoon unless you burst or have enough for a yellow rc yellow roman cancel to break the pressure he he's gonna kind of run you for the rest of the game and they understood that 
and I didn't understand that when I was complaining about the half circle motions and wanting the, the behemoth type flumes to be easier and not all of them being useful and stuff I understand now I more than understand now and they understood before I understood it's the same thing that happened with Nagoriyuki we all had our heads up our asses screaming Nago is weak he's so weak he's so weak the blood rage is the worst install in history why would you ever want to go into blood rage is so stupid and the whole time Arxis is like why the hell are y'all trying to get into blood rage for y'all not playing the character right and so they gave him some they gave him tiny buffs that might have been in the pipeline before but they know they knew certain things Nago didn't could he couldn't have or he would be broken he's still one of the best characters in the game by far one of the best in the game by far but they knew what he was about before we knew what we were about, what he was about because they made the character i think we need to have a little bit more faith in at least this developer and in, in arxis team red about their characters they know what they're doing they really do they they're not in here blind they know what they did with nagoriyuki they know what they did with gold lewis was gold lewis now now that i play gold lewis now with the and there's this defaultless defense change where there's always a set knockback instead of going by the knockback and power of the strike. Um, Golos might have been at least top like eight best characters in the game. I won't put him in top five, but he was not like before. Before we understood Golos, we we're putting him as bottom five. We we're putting him with like Faust and Angie. No, he was never that. And he still is not that. He was never that. He was always one of the better characters in the game. Super viable when, when he first dropped. We just didn't understand the character. Same with Nagoriyuki. People had him down there with with Faust and Anji. When the game first dropped, the beta, into like the first month or so. Until people realized, oh, we're playing him wrong. People figured out how to play him. Now he's one of the best characters in the game. It's, it's that simple. We just gotta give it time. And we can't be screaming, this character needs a nerf or a buff before we fully understand the characters. Because chances are, the developer knows what the character can do more than what we do. And they're just kind of waiting for us to figure it out on our own. Now, as far as DLC goes, we are four characters in, technically, with Go Lewis, Jacko, Happy Chaos, and Bike and Cummin. We don't know what this fifth one is, but let's assume it's Slayer. Going into Season Pack 2, whenever that comes, I strongly believe it'll open up with um, Asuka. Asuka R. Kreutz, you know, the that guy or that man or whatever. Um, I think it'll open with him to open strong. But I also think we're going to get, um, quote unquote, bed girl or bed woman. You know, because Batman and Exerd was one of the main villains, pretty much the main villain. And, you know, he ended up dying and he was always fighting for his sister and his sister shows up at the end after he dies to claim his bed or whatever i think this dlc pack we're getting bed girl oh he she might not be called bed girl i don't know but i think we might get bed girl i think it might go asuka then bed girl then uh i'm just throwing things out. i have absolutely no um no rhyme or reason for any of this um i think it might be asuka then bed girl then sin maybe we might get sin or it might open with Sin. Maybe Sin and Asuka will be switched. But I believe the first three will be Asuka, Bed Girl, Sin, 
Um. Um. Sin will be a returning character. Guess we need another returning female. Jam, maybe Jam. And then uh, we would end with we ended with Slayer last one, so I think we might end with Johnny. I think that might be season two. I I have no rhyme or reason to think this. Do not take this at word. Don't go saying McWhoopie says these are the season past two. This is literally what I what I think what I think with like 25% accuracy is going to be. I think it's going to, we're going to start with Asuka. Asuka, bed girl, two newcomers. And then we're going to have Sin and Jam, two returning male, female. And we're going to end with Johnny. That's what I said first time. Yeah, with Johnny. That's it. That is my prediction for season pass two. It might get blown out from first DLC. I hope so because I don't like being able to predict DLCs. I like to hope what'll be in there, but I really um, don't like being able to predict what it is because you might not like the prediction and all the hype is gone. I try not to spoil myself that much, um, but I'm also looking forward to a particular character, hoping they make it in. You guys already know who it is. Uh, that's just my DLC hopes, I suppose. Bed Girl would be cool to use. Though Bed Girl, Bed Girl doesn't technically exist yet. <laughs> There's nowhere in the story that Bed Girl exists. It's just from the end of Exert where I'm pulling that out of. Um, but the only balance issues I'd say I'd have... Um, and this might kind of be a hot take. But I think Ramlethal is... A stinky character. I think Ramlethal is stinky. Um, people still, I don't say want to say they downplay her, but they like to say she has like these certain weaknesses, and I just don't, I just think they're wrong. And I'm not like I said, I'm an intermediate player. You know, I'm not a pro level player, but pro level players gravitate towards Ram. I see there's a lot of high level Rams getting top places in tournaments, so there is something to be said about that. Uh, but playing against Ramlethal just feels stinky. Uh, she's the she's the character. She's like the corner character, right? She's the one that she gets you in the corner. That's where her win condition is. That's where her game plan is. She gets you into the corner. And most of the time, if you have a character like that, you have to make them weak in some other aspects. But Ram isn't. She has a amazing. She has an amazing mid-screen presence. They buffed her Rekka, so you can dash cancel the first one if you're quick enough. We can definitely dash cancel the second one. And you have these long as high damage combos. Not to mention her when she throws her sword, it eats projectiles. It'll eat Go Lewis's minigun just all the way through and then pin you, pretty much pin you to the wall when it explodes. I just think she's stinky. I think they need to do something about her. Not, she doesn't need any sweeping, super heavy nerfs to make her unplayable. But I just think by the end of this game's life, barring they drop some super broken DLC character, barring they don't drop the Vegito of the game or whatever, or the Super Saiyan 4 Gogeta of the game, or the Ultra Instant Goku of the game. Um, I lost my train of thought. I got so frustrated thinking about Ultra Instant Goku. Um, Barn, they don't drop any character like that. 
um i think by the end of this game's life by the time they're starting to prep us for strive 2 strive harder uh i think ramlethal will be number one i do i honestly think that maybe it's a scrubby opinion i have no idea but i think ramlethal will definitely be number one by the end of this game's life and currently my top five right now is ramlethal uh soul uh leo may and geo at number five yeah that's where i'm at right now that's where i'm at right now it's not an exciting top five list it's pretty much what everyone kind of juggles around for their top five characters in the game oh and nago's got to be somewhere up there maybe it's more uh ram soul nago Ram, Soul, Nago, May, and then Geo, and then Leo would be number six, I think, if we had a top six. Yeah, okay, that's what it is. That's that's what it is, because Nago's got to be up there. And last but not least, for Guilty Gear, Lobby's still trash. Fix them, dog. I'll be on such a streak, and then it kicks me from the lobby for no reason, and it won't let me go back into training. It won't let me ready up at any of the booths. Why are we still putting on with this? It's been six months. Come on now, get it together. These lobbies are trash. Still, they still trash. I get you have this vision for what you want from the lobbies, but but don't have it keep kicking people out. It kicks me out all the time, and I'm so frustrated by it. It throws off my whole game, and I don't like. I just turn it off pretty much when that happens. And there was another game that dropped this year, but you might not have noticed that it dropped unless you follow some very specific. Um, FGC members um, and this is Melty Blood Melty Blood type Lumino now I have no history with Melty Blood zero negative history I didn't know how it played I didn't know any of the characters um, the only reason I even gave it my eyes because the Jamaican Shake was a little bit interested in it because they had a character he was a little bit interested in um, so I was starting to pay attention to it. Maybe we'll talk about the, the pod a little bit. But we ultimately didn't really, aside from that one time, because there's nothing really to talk about. It had the potential to gain a lot of new players, for sure. Like, it's a, it was an old game. It's an old series. And this is the new version of it. This is the, the type uh, uh, Melty Blood 2 or whatever. And the graphics look good. Some of the effects look pretty good, too. But it got hampered by that small roster again. The roster was much bigger in the first Melty Blood. And now we're, we're back at small rosters. Small rest, roster Melty Blood. And I hate it. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate small rosters. It had the small roster. But I think... Now, bear with me here. Ride with me for a second. I think... They were riding on that they would be the most dripless game to ever exist as a strength. I think they knew that their designs for their characters are bland and some people say it's on purpose. Maybe it is. However... If you're really, 
really trying to get new people into your fighting game, you gotta have a little bit of drip, man. Just a little bit. You gotta have, you have to catch people's eyes. Cause it's like when you're shopping for food, you buy with your eyes sometimes, man. Especially if you've never played the series before. You got to be able to look at the roster and, and clearly pick out the character you want to try. Like you gotta, you see that Soul Calibur roster and you say, I like the guy with the big axe. I like the giant with the big axe. That guy's tight. I like the, I like the, the girl with the sword and shield, but the one that bounces a lot. I like her. I like her weapon. I like what I, I got a feeling I know that I'll like her. I like the pirate. I like the ghost pirate with the two swords. I know I like him. I know. Is that a gun? Is that a gun on this sword? Oh, I know I like him. That's cool. I like guns. I like swords. I like pirates. Perfect. You don't have that is totally eliminated in Melty Blood. That is that is a that's a non-issue in Melty Blood. Every character is school uniform, dress, skirt. Um I don't know the story, but that doesn't matter. They just dropped a character that Melty Blood characters, uh, <laughs> Melty Blood characters, Melty Blood players were super excited for. Uh, A Aoko, I think is her name. Um, super excited for. People got hyped. They're like, oh, it's about time. She was a staple in the series. And her outfit is white t-shirt and jeans. That's her outfit. That's her battle attire. Now, don't get it twisted. That can work. T-shirt jeans can work as a contrast. It can work as a contrast. It really can. If the rest of the roster, for the most part, are dressed a little bit more extravagantly, you will remember the, the redhead that walked in with jeans and a t-shirt as their battle attire. It could totally work. If you're playing say Mortal Kombat, you're playing Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 11, you know Mortal Kombat 11, lots of loincloths, lots of leather, you know, lots of uh, like battle gear, lots of military equipment. You would remember the dude that walked in with jeans and a t-shirt and said, I'm ready to battle, let's do this, let's kill each other. You would remember that guy. But when the rest of your cast is dressed equally as bland, it's just a drip in, it's just a drip in the ocean. I guess that's not fair since there is no drip from this game to hit the ocean. Um, so it's 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 a dripless game, and it does and it can and will not capture um, a new audience because there's just nothing to grasp onto. It's not cool to look at because the combos are also dripless. It is usually just strike, 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 launch, air strike, air strike, air strike, air throw, and that's about. What 95% of the casts that's their like BNBs, the same BNB for every cast. You don't have the character recognition like you have in fighters to pull that off. These characters are dripless, they're dressed dripless. You gotta at least make them play cool, but this game does not play cool. And a big issue with this game why it doesn't play cool is because it has things called moon drives and a shield and a moon strike. Now, I'm not fully clear on what these all, their full functions, but as far as I know, the shield is kind of like a rock, paper, scissors kind of deal, where you have to do a lot of guesswork, and you can do a high shield and a low shield. Now, the high shield blocks you from high attacks, 
right? Which is dope. That's good. It's, it's really good to block your like your high areas. Usually it's like like high mid areas, right? But the low shield blocks low and also mid. So you can't get opened up when you use the low shield. That means you could wake up shield and be fine. You could wake up moon drive. I, I'm not entirely sure what moon drive is, to be honest. I think it's some invincible state or like an or, or an ability that kind of grinds things to a halt where you have to respect the moon drive uh, when your opponent's waking up. And so what, what, what that does is when you have, oh, and there's also the moon strike where it's just an invincible attack that you can do. You just do the moon strike and it's powerful and it's invincible and things like that. Now you have these three things. So imagine you, you hard sweep your opponent and under any other normal circumstance, you got your Oki. You are ready to just go ham. You're ready to gorilla. But then they wake up shield and you're in this rock, paper, scissors thing that you might lose. You might lose this rock, paper, scissors game. And, and, and all of a sudden, because you put on pressure, you are now being comboed. Same with Moon Drive. And same with Moon Strike. Because you decided you wanted to put on some pressure, you're now losing bad. They are now on the offensive uh, because you put them on the defensive. That is, that's bonkers. That's, that is way, way too defensive. And with our current fighting game meta being uh, offense, 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 go, 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 go. That is a shift way too strongly in the other direction. And the fact that this is really, really severely hampering Melty Blood's fun factor being too defensive, while other games have their fun factor being hampered by too much offense, it really goes to show that we have to get back to that balance of defense and offense. Strong defensive tools, strong offensive tools. Maybe, maybe Melty Blood could have a shield break. Your opponent wants a shield, just do a shield break move. And it does like a crush or something that does even bigger damage to make your opponent think about shielding. Are they going to shield? Are they going to shield break? Add some mind game to it. And I think that's what we're losing nowadays with having this uber offense with and Melty Blood's uber defense. We're losing that the mind games of things. And, and people don't necessarily like mind games if they're new at the fighting game. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it can be mentally draining if you're not prepared for it. Um, but that's that's the fun, though. Like getting to the point where you can handle it, where you are mentally strong enough to juggle all those stacks to make the perfect play, the perfect read, or to defend the perfect mix-up that your opponent really thought they was going to win the game with. That's that's fun. That's exciting. And when there's too much defense, you take away the mix. When there's too much offense, you take away the guess. And that's not fun for anybody. So we need a perfect balance. Because there's some players that like to be offensive and they like to play offensive characters. There's some players, like me, who like to play defensive and play defensive characters. So, you need to find a balance, and if you don't, you will struggle like how Street Fighter was at first, or like how Melty Blood is doing now. You have to have a balance between the two. And that's what I took away from Melty Blood more than Melty Blood itself. That a game can be too defensive. We want more defense, but a game can be too defensive. Once you find that sweet spot, I think every 
fighting game should take note so we can get to it. Smash Bros Ultimate is what I want to talk about next. They just wrapped up forever. Forever. Um, in a big way with Sora. I won't talk much about Sora here or what it means right here because they have a whole episode dedicated to him. But they just wrapped up and now you could feel it. There's the vacuum. There's the Smash vacuum. The Smash Ball vacuum. What are we going to do? How are we going to fill this vacuum? Well, well there are some games that are already Smash-like. I don't play them personally, but there are games up there, out there that are play like Smash, and they're doing pretty well for themselves. They got themselves a little following going on, and they are kind of fun to watch. But there's two kind of similar games that have come out uh, that really want to capture the feel of, like, the tap into your, your childhood, your nostalgia, get deep down in these... Uh, these players here and that is uh, I guess it's Nickelodeon is it all-star brawl I think Nickelodeon all-star brawl and multiverses now I want to talk about the Nick game we've talked about it briefly but I kind of shut it down I do not like the Nick game um, I will have to be fully transparent this is going to be super biased so if you where if you really enjoy the Nickelodeon fighting game, if like you're just so into it, this is your jam, you've been waiting, you've always wanted Smash Bros. with just Nick characters for your whole life, and it's in the scratching that itch, um, I am happy you are having a good time. I truly, truly am. And maybe instead of clicking off of here, you can just put me on mute for a couple minutes and then tune back in a little bit later. Uh, but here we go. I do not like this Nick game at all. I think it is shovelware at best and insulting at worst, but mostly shovelware. Now, um, this Nickelodeon game learned the same exact lesson that King of Fighters had to. First impressions are everything. King of Fighters 14 ended up being a pretty great game, but it could not shake that initial that initial bad press and Street Fighter just barely got over it at the last second and Nick has a lot of work to do the very first trailer was so rough the animations are <laughs> there are so janky uh, there is no snap to them whatsoever um, and you saw in the very first trailer the sound effects are hot garbage the sound design is bad. The music is bad. And worst of all is the dead horse itself. There is no voices, no voice work. No voice actors came in to record their lines. These are some iconic voices. Everyone, you can close your eyes and you know what cat dog sounds like. You know what Aang sounds like. Mm-mm-mm. I just got upset because they had Invader Zim as well and Invader Zim without his voice is pointless. Invader Zim is I would say yeah I would say he is completely defined by his expressions and the way 
he expresses his disdain for people with the way he yells and the way he animates and that none of that is expressed in this game whatsoever and if we're talking about purely a gameplay perspective because people can say yeah okay the presentation is garbage but how does it play it plays equally as garbage it plays how it sounds pretty much there's no snap every character kind of share the same gameplay uh, most people you know, most people have if you, if you play smash let's say you play smash you play let's say you play mario your up smash is a headbutt right the upward headbutt the arcing headbutt that's good and when you jump in the air it's like a flip kick like a quick flip kick when you hit up and a instead of the headbutt that's cool but when you're playing nick your up and a or whatever it's called will be like the little uppercut and then you jump in the air and it also just be a little uppercut and that's just with all the moves it's completely un uh uncreative they didn't put much effort into making these characters come to life making them represent where they came from most of the moves don't make either doesn't make sense for the characters or it doesn't fully represent what they can do what they have done how they would do something why they would do something they're missing the magic that smash had and for a pretty obvious reason they had no budget right they, they you could tell they had no budget which isn't technically their fault um i'm sure they weren't given the proper budget and they probably had a deadline because even if you don't have a big budget if you have enough time you can make it at least look good and then you polish it up as it goes on <sighs> and it's really disappointing guys it's really really disappointing because i've always and you guys all my friends i've always wanted a fighting game that had cartoon characters in it and yeah as i got older i kind of accepted that it would be like a smash like game and not so much like a 2d fighter like for real and i accepted that so if it's going to be that i want it to be good and as far as nick is concerned um it needs a lot of work it might need an overhaul entirely it, it very much might there may be like a bigger roster i don't know they just dropped garfield okay you know okay you know it's it it, it feels soulless because you drop garfield but there's no voice you know they could have like different costumes for these characters that shows like wouldn't be cool if say you're playing as uh, let's say Garfield let's say you're playing as Garfield and you have like Garfield the character if there was a costume that made him like pilot Garfield like Garfield when he was first pitched when he was first drawn like like issue one Garfield that would be a sick costume for all the characters because there's issue ones of all these characters like Spongebob, Spongebob looked a little bit different back then than he does now, same with Patrick. And I get uh, Sandy's in the game too, right? Yeah, Sandy. They all look different, and that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't have much to say about Nick, cause it's just, it's upsetting to me what it could have been. And I hope, I do hope, like eventually, they, they just put it back in the oven and just work on it, just bring it back and release like Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl Extend, and it's great. It's not, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting perfection. I'm not expecting Super Smash Bros. Ultimate to come out, but something playable. Because I played, um, 
PlayStation All-Stars. Was that a great game? Not really, no. But I had fun with it. It was still, there could be some enjoyment to be had earlier in his life. And that's just not there with Nick. I don't ever want to touch it. I don't want to look at it. I am totally against it. And I get upset whenever I see it. I'm a complete Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl hater. Now, they have some competition, though, with multi-verses. <laughs> However, I am not... Here's, here's what I can say. They dropped the closed beta for it. And, um... People may or may not have gotten to play this closed beta. And the game may or may not have a lot of potential to be really good. That's all I can really say about it. Aside from what they've already shown where it's a 2v2. And it's team based. And you have these, they showed off you had these moves that can use to help your teammates. It looks really interesting, like Bugs Bunny can make a hole and your opponent can dig, you know, your opponent, your teammate can go through the hole. Uh, Steven Universe can put a shield around him and the teammate and, and other things like that. And it's pretty cool. And they have a pretty good roster for having the entire uh, Warner Bros. Uh, power behind it. They have a pretty good roster. I wouldn't personally have put Harley Quinn in alongside the Trinity, but... You know, Harley Quinn is super popular. I understand why they put in Harley Quinn alongside Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. But that's all I could say about multiverses, um, literally. So, let's move on to what Street Fighter has been up to all year long. They had their last season with Dan and Rose and Oro and Akira and Luke to top it all off. Now, it's no secret that this season was not supposed to happen. We were supposed to have Street Fighter 6 by now, but you know, obvious reasons are obvious for why things got all screwed up on the schedule. When Street Fighter 5 first dropped, I did not like it. I did not like it. I didn't like it very much. The roster was small. And it felt small. Oh man, this roster felt small from the jump. Because it's Street Fighter. You never really had like a small roster. I guess you technically did, you know. I guess that's just objectively wrong. But it just felt weird coming from Street Fighter 4, uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4, which had a really big roster by the end. And I wasn't expecting them to come in with, you know, that same amount to start with. That's asking for a little too much. But what was it 16? Like 16 characters to start? Nah, that's... From Street Fighter nowadays, I think that's unacceptable. And they kind of pioneered this um, fighting games as a service type of deal, I think. Well, maybe they weren't the first ones to do it that way, but they definitely went all in with... We're going to build this game for sure. But we're going to charge you full price for it. Now, Killer Instinct did it first, which I'll admit. Um, but they're a small indie team. Not small indie team, that's that's wrong. But they're a smaller team working with a smaller um, 
franchise. You know, the Killer Instinct community... The, the Killer Instinct is a, is beloved, but it's the community is small. Because we haven't had a game in so many years. But Street Fighter's not like that. We're coming off a really strong game in Ultra Street Fighter 4. And then it came onto a super weak game in Street Fighter 5. And you felt it. It was jarring. So I didn't like it at first. It had so many problems. It was super unbalanced. But what I can give it is by the end of its life, which is right now, it had just ended with a drop of Luke. It turned out to be an absolutely incredible game that I hope is at least remembered fondly by Street Fighter fans. You don't got to love it. You don't even got to like it. But I kind of respect it. Because it really started off on Dire Straits. Because of Capcom's financial issues at the time of its release. The fact that it survived to become what it is now. Arcade Edition. This is Super Street Fighter V. Ultra Street Fighter V. I am gen genuinely impressed. And I'm happy it turned out great. and sold very well and has this immense esports presence. I'm so happy it is because... I have a lot of faith going forward that Street Fighter 6 is going to be the bomb. And with Luke's drop, we played him a little bit, me and uh, the Jamaican Shake, we played him a little bit, just to see what he can do, and he feels a lot different than the rest of the cast. The way his V-Trigger works, instead of it draining, it only goes down when he's hit. His, um, his moves string uh, more naturally than Street Fighter usually does. So I'm wondering if that's a deep indication that Street Fighter 6 might be even more offense heavy than Street Fighter 5 was. But I think they're going to learn their lesson here and add more, more defensive mechanics. So they did add another defensive mechanic called V-Shift uh, that really changed the game up and made it a little bit less offensive. So I think they learned that lesson. I'm very excited to see how Street Fighter 6 turns out. Street Fighter 5... Uh, went out with a bang, and I'm so happy for it. Because I love seeing Street Fighter of all series, like, succeed. I never want Street Fighter to fail, because it's Street Fighter. You know, it's where we all come from. This, I want to talk next, and speaking of Street Fighter, I want to talk about Rollback. Rollback Netcode has taken over the FGC in the best way possible. Now, Capcom has been using rollback for a long ass time. They're, Capcom's not new to rollback, but Capcom has always, 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 always had terrible, terrible, terrible rollback. And I said it once, and I will say it again, and again, and again, and again. The best rollback is head and shoulders better than the best delay-based netcode, but the worst rollback is many, many layers worse than the worst delay-based netcode. There is nothing more frustrating than bad rollback. Bad rollback will have you landing a game-winning hit, and then it rolls back to you getting comboed in the opposite corner for game. That's, that feels bad, man. So rollback has been coming with a vengeance to the point where if you drop your new fighting game without rollback, it's, it's dead on arrival. Don't even bother. It will get clowned out the door. Don't even. Don't even bother. At this point, it should be 
the standard it should be to the point where you don't have to announce that your game has rollback it should be assumed that it does now that i'm talking about uh rollback i want to talk about blaze blue blaze blue had this rollback beta and so did cross tag battle but i'm not going to talk about cross tag battle i want to talk about blaze blue central fiction now it finally has rollback what does that mean for the Blaze Blue community? It means now you have a reason to keep playing. You have a reason to get better or you have a reason to start playing, which is my case. I have always wanted to learn Blaze Blue. I really did. And when Blaze Blue first came out, I slept on it for sure. I was I was not even thinking about it. I didn't even consider it to the point where in the very very early times of the food chain. I think the food chain wasn't even formed at this point, but the members were still hanging around. Uh Blazeblue was one of the games we would start our game nights with, and I was so bad with it. I was sleeping so deep on it is that I would literally sit sit it out i would sit those sessions out i wouldn't i would watch them play blaze blue but i wouldn't join which is something i'd never do now it could be a game i never played before and i would try to play it but i was small brained and they were playing it and it looked fun but eventually eventually i picked up the sticks i think it was uh whatever one came out before chrono phantasma Whatever one that was, I don't remember. Continuum Shift. That's what it was. Continuum Shift. Blazewood Continuum Shift. I picked up the sticks on that. And, you know, I played a couple characters. Um, I gravitated towards Eric Kune because he looked crazy. And I played a little bit of Vulcanine, too. What play is, like, air quotes. Air quotes. I played them. You know, I picked them and I did things. And then I got beat up. I got knocked off the sticks. But it was a little bit fun. When you start to get some things down, which I did not... Once you start to get things down, it feels good. And then I played more Chrono Phantasma than the one before that then Continuum Shift. But I never took it seriously. I played it and we would get together and we would play it, but I never took it seriously. I never really went to the labs. I never really learned my character's moves or even their special moves. I knew um, Hazma's and that was pretty much it. His big kick into the air, that's it. That's all I knew and that's all I cared to know. I didn't care to get good at it. I just wanted to be able to fight my friends a little bit. But now, it's got rollback, and it's back in the eye, and it's a prime opportunity for not just me, but for everyone who's ever had a passing interest in Blaze Blue to finally hop in and try it. The characters are cool. The characters in Blaze Blue are so cool, and they're so unique, and every character has some type of meta, and who doesn't like meta for their characters? And the characters that don't really have a meta are still interesting somehow in their own rights. And so I finally dove in. I finally, I finally chose a main. I finally started taking them to the lab, learning their combos, learning their pressure tools, learning their Oki, learning all this stuff. Am I still pretty bad at the game? Yes, I'm still really, really bad at the game. But I am better at Blaze Blue than I am at Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which is all I can really ask for any new game that I pick up. And I'm having so much fun with it. I get more excited to play Blaze Blue than I do to play like Guilty Gear and 
and some other games we'll get to later. Street Fighter, no, I haven't played Street Fighter in a while. And with rollback, now there's competition. Cause it's hard to want, it's, it's hard to motivate yourself to get better at a fighting game where there's no one to fight. When you have no one to, to fight with, to test yourself out with, you don't know if you're getting better. Sure, you're learning all these fancy things, but the computer can only do so much for you. You can't condition a computer and that's a big issue. And you can't fight against the conditioning from the computer. Because they don't try to condition you. They just read your inputs. And the difficulty stems on how much they read your inputs. So with Blaze Blue out, the the uh, the pool for competition is much deeper now. And it's so much fun. And I've, I've whooped some people. And I've gotten whooped by people. But it was always fun. I love learning new fighting games. And the fact that I'm having this much fun uh, learning Blaze Blue, even though it's old. Like, learning it means... I'm a little salty that I wasn't there from the jump. You know, like I didn't create like um, a meaningful connection because it came out long enough ago that where if I played it from the jump, like I would actually have like some emotional attachment to these characters. And I kind of feel like I missed my opportunity for that. Um, but I think Hazuma is so cool and Eric Kune is pretty cool. But I think Hazuma is real cool. Uh, he's the one I've been focusing most on, which I'm excited to finally say um, because all of uh, a lot of my friends, uh, growing up before Food Chain, uh, they liked Blaze Blue. They would play Blaze Blue and talk about Blaze Blue a lot. And I just was out of the loop. I didn't play Blaze Blue, and I felt like I wish I did, you know? But now I can, and I can finally force my way into the loop. And I'm really excited to do that. It's so fun. It's so deep. The characters are cool. I wish there was English dub. Uh, because the last games had English dub and I thought the voices were great. I could follow the relationships. I could follow the story It was great, but this one does not so I cannot and that's a little frustrating, but that's all like design I can't get too too upset about it. I guess but I hope this means that we're getting a blaze blue in the future Yeah, yeah, I hope this is the indication that we got a little something cooking for you. We have something cooking. We might, here's this new Blaze Blue, bam, Blaze Blue. I couldn't even guess the name for it because they, their names never really make sense. I guess maybe it makes sense in the story. But there's been a lot of butts this podcast, but my biggest concern with a new Blaze Blue is the small roster. I am petrified that Blaze Blue, like new Blaze Blue, will drop with a small roster 15 characters you'll get Ragna, Jin, Hazma would probably make it Ragna, Jin, Hazma, Noel will probably make it uh, Subaki will probably make it Makoto will probably make it and some other people will probably make it you know I can't name everyone that I think will make it but I am scared to death because that's the trend Arxis is on right now so I, I, I'm scared to death because that would really hamper it because the characters in blaze blue are so cool i want to see them all come back i want to see them all come back maybe not so much like the three robot girls with the sword wings because we don't need all three of them one of them i think is fine but all three of them i, I think is too much um, but i want all of them to come back you know i want all these characters to come back they're so cool and i'm i'm petrified of small rosters nowadays probably more than bad um net code because i feel like companies catch enough flack for bad netcode that now we can kind of avoid it.
But small rosters seem to be where we're at right now, man. We seem to be at that stage right now, and I don't like it. So I hope Blazebu doesn't. I hope it just shows up and it's deep like it is now. And it's got a lot of characters to choose from. And we can all just play and be happy with rollback netcode. That's my hopes for the future of Blazeblue. Like I said, I don't have much to say on it because there's literally no confirmation at all. Or even theories or even speculation that we're getting a new Blaze Blue aside from the fact that, hmm, maybe. I've been kind of skirting around this topic because I've just been bashing them for so long. Um, but we've arrived at the Nether Realm Studios conversation. Now I've had Lobo Berry Crunch on here twice to talk about Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, I've taken pot shots at it several times amongst other episodes. But now I'm here to like have a deep, serious uh, discussion with you guys about uh, the state of NetherRealm Studios and how Mortal Kombat 11 was. Not a long discussion, just, you know, just me talk about it. I think, and this might also be a hot take, but I kind of feel like Mortal Kombat 11 was a bit of a bust. Um, it was like a, more like a wet fart. It's so popular. It's so popular. So many people play it, and it sold like hotcakes. And I got it got awards. And when when it got the award for best fighting game, I forget what where it was nominated. Um, I didn't think it deserved it. I did not think Street uh, Street Fighter. Oh my God, Mortal Kombat 11 was the best fighting game of the year. Uh, I this Mortal Kombat 11 above. The other two feels uh, a bit soulless to me. Like I feel like it, it lost its way. It was trying to. It feels like it kind of dislikes its fans with the way it, it presents itself. Yes, Mortal Kombat X got wild and crazy with 50/50s and vortexes and just a wild pressure, and it was a little bit okay. It was pretty unbalanced. Uh, all things considered. But what it was that Mortal Kombat 11 absolutely is not, is fun. Mortal Kombat 11 feels like a slog to play. And when I look back, when I look back on my time with Mortal Kombat 11, like when I really played it, when it was my main game, I struggled to find a point where I actually had a lot of fun uh, with it. I feel like I was always frustrated playing it. It just didn't feel rewarding doing anything. Um, online ranked was just a wasteland and but not a wasteland where there's no one around but a wasteland of just the same powerful characters over and over and over again because uh, NRS has this track record of making their easiest characters like so strong like Liu Kang or their zoners being the most powerful characters in the game but most importantly, what they keep doing, and it's driving me up the wall, is they keep giving certain characters all the tools. Like, Sonya is one of the best zoners in the game, but she also can mix your shoes off. She can mix the laces off your shoes, but she can also play a nice mid-range pokey game if she wants to, but also she has counters and she can be a grappler. She can do 
at all. And I don't know why they designed her like that. Cassie Cage is the same exact way. And Jackie Briggs has been running wild on, uh, on tournaments and online for a long time. And they're doing nothing about it. And Liu Kang is a close your eyes and turn your controller upside down type of easy mode. That's super effective and super annoying. And it's really, it's the definition of whack. Uh, Spawn was supposed to be like the big drop, the big DLC drop, but because of the nature of their variation system and how limited it is, uh, how limited it is really, how much it limits the creativity of your characters, uh, Spawn kind of just came and went. He really did. Like He did not come and make the splash he could have made because they didn't go far enough with him because they couldn't. Because despite the fact that people really want Spawn in Mortal Kombat because of how bloody it is, I feel like Mortal Kombat isn't actually the series to put Spawn in. I feel like Mortal Kombat is way too grounded for Spawn. I think Spawn is too crazy for injustice. I think we should be clamoring for Spawn in the next uh, to be a character in like the next Marvel vs. Capcom game or something. As opposed to being in like an MK game just because it's violent. Sure, Spawn is violent, but... I feel like if we made him bombastic and use all of his abilities in a game like Marvel, we can look past the fact that it's not violent. I really believe that. And the the story, ugh, the Mortal Kombat 11 story is, is gutter trash. It is so stupid. Y'all know how much I hate time travel. So I'll try to keep the time trial, uh, time trial, the, the time travel bias out of this. The plot is hella dumb. Kronika is terrible. She's the stupidest villain ever. Her plan makes no sense. She is so powerful. I don't know why she needs minions. She spends so much time recruiting minions when she can just stop time and do whatever she wants. I don't understand how, why? I don't understand why they would, why Netherrealm would bother setting up this new um, timeline with like future kids and all that stuff just to invent a time travel plot that brings back old characters I just don't understand that it didn't make any sense and it shows they didn't have either one of two things they either didn't have an actual plan for where they wanted the story to go which I hope is the case or they had their ideas that they wanted to do but because of the climate of the actual real world the political climate of the real world they took a hard shift in the stories they wanted to tell which it starts to seem that way when you can see some of the um agendas they push with some of the character endings and stuff no i'm not political in any sense so i'm not going to sit here and have a political conversation with you guys but it really hampered their storyline um, with some of the wokeisms, and not just, it's not, and it's like pretty a blanket too, just any talking point that was in the news, they tried to tackle in their story and their characters, no matter how much it went against the characters they were stapling it to. Um, they created relationships out of thin air that were never set up, never even hinted at or teased just to you know push these kind of things people's whole personalities got turned on their heads 
to push these kinds of things. People's story ending were so cringy because they were trying to push these things. And it really hampered the the experience. It made you do a lot of eye rolling. It's like, okay, here we go. Okay, I see what you're doing. I see what this is. You guys, come on. You guys focus on being ultra-violent, bloody gruesome. Don't act like you're holier than thou. Y'all dropped your first F-bomb in Mortal Kombat X a billion years after the first Mortal Kombat. You guys aren't any more virtuous than the rest of us who want to rip off each other's heads. And the gameplay was weak. I thought the gameplay was so watery. It was so boring. It was just boring, super grounded gameplay. Now, there is something to be said about having a neutral, heavy uh, game plan for how you want your game to play. Like, Street Fighter 4 did it, and they did it great. But Mortal Kombat's always kind of had this weird relationship with uh, their neutral game because projectiles in, in Netherrealm Studios are so strong. They always have been, and they end up with characters who are so overwhelmingly powerful with their projectiles that it kind of hurts the experience as a whole. And so they got rid of like blatant stuff like that, but made it so boring and so like, uh, like ABC for every character. Every character's got like one optimal string and everyone does it. And I don't know why they thought they could get rid of 50-50s, but I guess what they wanted to do is instead of having every character have 50-50s, they would only give it to their favorite characters. Because there's a lot of characters with no mix. And you could tell they wanted them to be bad. They wanted them to be like the worst. They got no respect in the story. They get no respect in the gameplay. There's, you could tell more than any other fighting game that NetherRealm Studios definitely has the characters they want to be strong. Like Street Fighter has like their characters they want to be powerful like Kami. They never ever ever want Kami to be weak. If they find her slipping they will buff her for no reason. Even if she goes from number one to number four, they'll buff her back to number one. NRS is doing the same thing, and I don't like it. But, ignoring that, okay, not ignoring that, but aside from that, I actually do have a lot of hope for NetherRealm Studios. I feel like their next project will be fantastic. Because there's one thing NetherRealm does do is they learn their lessons. They take feedback. They don't always take some of the best feedbacks. And sometimes they overcorrect. But I feel like they will, they will uh, learn their lessons from their mistakes here. Because Mortal Kombat 11 was very divisive. If, if people would very much hate this game or they love this game or they nothing this game. It's very, it's very divisive. And I feel like they will take it and try to craft a game that's more kinetic, I think. I think the next MK game will be faster than Mortal Kombat 11. It might be a little bit jumpier too. The combos might flow a little bit better. I think, I think, don't quote me on any of this, but I think they might have a more dynamic combo system than what they have now. Like how they had like the dollar combos, like square, square, triangle to launch into like X circle or whatever, whatever, just this basic. I think it might be more dynamic. I think they might make it more fun, faster, maybe they'll bring back the run button, add you know more characters. I think they definitely realize there's some characters that left behind that people kind of freaked out about. Uh, and by that, I mean me. 
So I have a lot of hope that they will learn from their mistakes with this one. It'll make a better product. I, I truly believe that. I think all these fighting game franchises will come back stronger than ever for this next generation. I thought this last generation slipped. I really do. But I think they're gonna come back strong. I think Tekken 8's gonna be kinda sick. I think Mortal Kombat 12 is gonna be kinda sick. I think Street Fighter 6 is gonna be kinda sick. Blaze Blue, whatever, 6 or whatever it's on. New Blaze Blue is gonna be sick. Okay, well, that's gonna be sick. All these games are gonna be sick. So going forward with fighting games, where what do I wanna see? Obviously, and this is the talk of the town, good rollback netcode for all fighting games. All fighting games, every single one. Good rollback netcode. Because fighting games are so far behind other games. Other other genres have had great netcode for so long, and we've had shitty netcode for so long. But now, you know, we're in a climate right now where playing online is way more important than playing offline. It really is. So we need to get to a point where the online works just as well as offline. And once we get there, I think we'll be shooting for the moon. Uh, single player experience. Excuse me. I think all fighting games should have a de at least a decent single player experience. Above all else, a decent single player experience. Because not everyone is out to be like the next Justin Wong, right? No one's out to be like the next Daigo or whatever. Some people just like fighting games because they like the characters, they like the way it feels, they like beating up on the computer, they like the stages, the music, whatever. And that's what they want to do. And if you don't have like a, an impressive single player thing to keep them uh, hooked on it, you're going to find yourself uh, hemorrhaging players really fast. I think Mortal Kombat has a good system going on with their the way they do their towers, the rotating towers. I think that's a good way to keep people addicted to playing and getting the rewards and stuff. It's not perfect, but it's definitely a start and it's pretty fun. Um, it would be fun on a better game, but I do think Mortal Kombat's and I guess also Injustice, their story mode is like their the format of their story mode. It was groundbreaking for the first time, but now it's old. It's ineffective to tell a good story but i do think that grand blue story mode is really cool how it's literally it's, it's like its own game you play as your fighting game character sure but you fight like hordes of you know npcs that come at you from other sides it kind of puts you into like a beat em up scenario similar to how tekken force used to be it's actually similar to that except they attached a whole broad story with like side missions and and chapters and cutscenes and stuff. It's really cool, and I do not like Grand Blue, but I can appreciate that story mode is sick and is the best story mode presentation I've played in a very long time. It was so engaging, and I wanted to keep playing that, but the, the problem that I have with Grand Blue is I don't like any of the characters. So if you put something like that in, say, like the next Blaze Blue game, that would be really, really cool. Or the next Mortal Kombat game, that would be cool. Street Fighter, just everyone just adopt, just bring back the Tekken Force stuff. People like that. Tekken Force is groundbreaking. I think we should have focused on that more instead of getting rid of it. And talking about single player content for like the more casual players, I think we need to steer away from catering to said new players. Because if a person 
really finds that fighting games are their jam and they want to keep learning the fighting games, they will. They'll learn. They'll learn all the intricacies on their own. It's not smart to cater to people that that will jump on for just a little bit and then hop off. You want, you want to make them feel like they're doing cool things for a little bit of time that they're playing? I don't think that's a good a good idea. It doesn't seem like a very smart way to convince someone to invest their time and money into your game. Because if they end up not liking it, sure, they did some cool things because the game was easy. But if they just don't like fighting games like that, they're not going to play it that much anyway. And they're not going to buy your DLC. You want to have it more focused towards people... Who will stick by it so less catering towards newer players yeah that's all I really have to say about that you can go about that a number of ways um, make auto combos not weak make them unable to go into big combos that's a problem with fighters auto combos lead into touch of deaths and stuff and other things like that I think we need to stray away from uh, the accessibility issue we got going on because i guess that's like the term of the year right of this generation accessibility like people just wanted people just want that to end because i think everyone who's really big into fighting games were kind of tired of them adding that easy mode character adding that vegeto that giovanna that ends up being top five because they're so easy to play the katarina they're so easy to play they're so strong they're so catered towards baby mode characters that the pros just go, listen, I can use this baby mode, this baby mode characters in ways the babies actually can't figure out. Like, don't hand them easy tools. Teach them the tools that they need to learn to become just better fighting game players as a whole. And they'll stick by. They'll learn. And they'll and if they find that they like your game, they'll they'll stick by it whether or not it's easy to play or not. And that seems obvious because it's been obvious for so long, but they just recently made this big push. For accessibility that's been frustrating a lot of people and to cap this all off the last thing i want for fighting games going into the future as an intermediate player who doesn't necessarily have all the time in the world to play fighting games like he used to i want a larger starting roster I've said it before on this very episode and I will say it again larger starting roster sometimes I want to just try out characters sometimes I'll just get in the mood to try out this one character that I've never thought about before but it's really hard to do that when you start off with 15 characters and you see the same characters over and over and over and over again I want larger at least 20 I think at the least at the least I think the least acceptable range for a starting roster is 20 that's still pretty small but i think 15 is egregiously small for a roster you feel it like we felt that earlier in strive's life you feel a small roster because you fight the same character over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and not ever when with such a small roster the chance of you finding a character you like for yourself is very small and especially if you've never really been into the series before. Like, this is my first Guilty Gear I'm playing seriously. I got lucky that I, like, like Faust's design, right? I got lucky they dropped Gold Lewis. I got lucky for those. 
because the roster's so small. They could have easily just had like Fowles just be like the normal doctor attire, which doesn't like fully appeal to me with no goal Lewis. So I'm sitting there like, I don't really fuck with any of these characters. I don't really want to play this game. And that's the problem with small rosters. Because some people like to play multiple characters. Or some people have a very specific kind of character they really gravitate to. And with such a small roster, the chances of having that character are very small. Well, I think I'm out of talking points. We've been going on for a long, long, long time. I just wanted to get all of that out there. Because it's been a wild, wild year. Now, I want to just end this off in just to say if with, with the way the world has been lately, it might have been really hard to get into the things you used to before everything caught flames, right? Like... You used to maybe you used to wake up and boot up the game because your life was going well. You used to have a lot of fun, and then everything burned to the ground, and you just don't find fun in anything anymore. All the things you used to play just don't appeal to you, and you just can't seem to get into it anymore. And my advice, I'd say, from my own personal experience, is to don't give up on the things that you love to do because they will be there for you forever especially if they've been like your rock or it's how you've maintained or mellowed out in the past or if they're like a big part of who you are like fighting games kind of for a lot of people who grew up with them who really dedicate their lives to it is very much a part of their identity. A lot of the things they do are dictated by their relationship with fighting games. Maybe it's the stories they tell or the characters they like in media. It could somehow all come back to the fighting games they played as a kid. The fighting games they played growing up, either in the arcade or at home the first consoles or or whatever like that maybe your favorite animal is maybe your favorite animal is a wolf because your favorite character can turn into a wolf maybe your favorite color is green because your favorite fighting game character's colors are green it goes that deep sometimes and when the world kind of wants to kick you in on your ass a lot it's hard to Remember that these things have always been there for you when you felt low. So don't give up on them because they didn't give up on you. You'll find the fire again. Just keep on looking. I've been Mick Whoopi Goldberg, and this has been the Bottom of the Pit Podcast, where we look to the moon and swap our pallets and we will see you on the next one the answer lies in the heart of battle